to the Apostle Frederick Kaloloma podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle hosts a very special prophetic service. Today, the man of God teaches us on the heart of the Father. He teaches us some of the characteristics of the heart of the Father and how the heart of the Father is towards those returning to the faith and those within the faith as well. So here comes your word. Grab your Bibles, your pens and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the city of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. For those who are joining us for your first time, you're welcome to the city of the Lord Church. I must let you know we are an excited bunch we just can't help it. As a matter of fact, we are even holding ourselves back. Let's get ahead with our prophetic Sunday. And there's going to be something very simple I'll be sharing on. Afterwards, we'll take some time to minister to as many people as the Lord allows. But here's something that I would advise you to do. Be open to the ministration of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, when we have meetings like this, there are angels that are here that are sent to minister to the saints. And you find on one hand, this one may be hearing this. On the other hand, the Lord is communicating something to someone. On the other hand, the Lord is communicating something to someone. The Bible says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to all. Praise God. And this is that day. It is that hour. It is that moment. Praise God. We don't just name the meetings for purposes of excitement, but we genuinely um, genuinely want to see certain things. Um, praise God. Praise God. So, I pray you are excited. I pray you are ready. And let's enjoy God's word. Please avoid moving as the word is being preached. It's very disturbing. Not just to me, but also to the people seated. Unless you are in a heavily compromised position. Praise God. Unless you are heavily compromised. So, we may, we may begin, eh? I want us to go to Romans chapter 8. We'll start with Romans chapter 8, and thereafter we're going to read something. Then I'll tell you a dream I had, and then we'll read something, and we're done. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8 is a very, very powerful chapter because it talks about life in the spirit. The entire chapter describes life in the spirit. And remember that since you live in the spirit, you must learn to walk in the spirit. I think I talked about that during level two, right? Praise God. So we're going to read verse 12 to about verse 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. But my main point is in one of the verses. But Romans chapter 8 is one of those you, you can't just read. So Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 12. 
Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Uh-huh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Praise God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. I would want us to be aware, ladies and gentlemen, that um, the word that the Bible uses for sons is very different from the word that the Bible uses for children. Also because the culture in that day differentiated children from sons. Praise God. When I say that, what do I mean? You can see the word used for children in John 1 when it says, uh, but as many as, as believed him, to those he gave the right to be called the children of God. Somewhere in verse 12. But then here, you notice that we're told those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. The sons are more mature. The, as many as, as believed him, it's like saying from a collection of all the people in the world, the group that believed him are children of God. And then now for sons, it's now for as many as are children of God, the group are willingly being led by him as sons. So it's a, it's a greater level. Praise God. So it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And let's go on. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You've not received the spirit of bondage. That's why you should refuse to live a life under bondage. Because that's not the spirit you've received. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, you know, I used to find the word Abba to be that word that you use when you really want to be spiritual. You know what I mean, eh? <laughs> I remember one time when I was in Sunday school. And... Our Sunday school teacher said, today each one is going to pray a prayer. Like, this one prays, this one prays, this one prays, this one prays. So I was planning mine. Because, you know, back then, I had a bit of a competitive nature. So all I wanted was to pray the best prayer. Praise God. So I said, thinking of all the most serious prayers I had prayed before, or I would heard people praying. And that's why I always tell people, especially when you're praying with the inner ones, Try to include some English words because people imitate. And so for me, that day I had a plan. I had three plans. Number one, I was going to use all father. I thought people who say, oh, father, are very spiritual. <laughs> Number two, when it reached a certain corner, I was going to now say, Abba, father. <laughs> now when I say Abba, father, no one was going to touch me. And then I had my secret weapon. I didn't understand the word. I just heard it. So my secret weapon at the end, I was going to say, Father, I rebuke you. Because I'd heard the word rebuke being used in prayer. So I thought, like, if I tell him, Lord, I rebuke you, he'll be so happy. <laughs> so that word Abba is actually Aramic. 
And it's almost like saying, Papa. Now, for us to understand it in our culture, I would say it's like saying, wait for it, Daddy. <laughs> not Dad, not Father, not those nicknames you gave your father, the Master. I was, I was asking what nicknames people gave their fathers. I was shocked. There was Daffy. <laughs> there was the general and, and, and all those things. But then, if you hear someone in our culture, especially saying, Daddy, that's not the one that, unless you're very close, that's not the one you might call an uncle even if the culture permits you to. Usually, there is a special bond. It, 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 it talks about a special bond. Praise God. And that's what the Spirit calls us to cry out. In Aramic, that's the word that little kids would use when they are shouting out to their fathers. It's an intimate way of calling out to their fathers. And so we are being told that the Spirit we've received by Him we end up crying out, Abba, Father. That shows you something. That by the Spirit whom we've received, there is a certain way we get to understand the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father. And this wonderful morning, I'll be communicating to you concerning the heart of the Father. Praise God, the heart of the Father. And when we are talking about the prophetic, really, what we should be wanting, what the prophetic comes to do is to reveal the heart of God. It reveals the mind of God. Then it can also reveal the mind of a man. It can reveal the heart of a man. And it can also just, it can reveal various circumstances. It can reveal what's happening in the spiritual realm. But generally, when it comes to the prophetic, one of the greatest levels is when we can reveal the heart of God concerning a situation. So we're looking at the heart of the Father. By him we cry out what? Abba, Father. Somebody say it, Abba, Father. Okay, now translate it into your own version. One, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound weird? Does it sound strange? If it does, you might want to start practicing it a bit more. Praise God. If you want for the next week, change your prayer language. You should be Daddy Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I had a very interesting dream. Eh? A very interesting, interesting dream. And it's going to take us to Luke 15, verse 11. And I had it, I think two days ago, I, I've been praying for this service. I was planning to preach yet again for the third or fourth week in a row on the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then I had a very interesting dream. In my dream, I don't know where I had gone, but you, you know, I don't know if you've noticed how dreams are. Sometimes you can have an entire five-minute dream, and there's only ten seconds of it that requires the interpretation. If you remember, we did a series on dreams and visions, right? 
except we used to do that sermon at 0630. And sometimes when starting, you'd be the five of you. So go ask those five, those five heroes. Go ask them concerning dreams and visions. Those five legends. Hallelujah. (laughs) Although I think we actually have them recorded. We just haven't put them on podcasts, but I think we have them. Dreams and visions. You get to realize that sometimes the issue is not the dream you're having. Sometimes the issue is the fear of the dream. Sometimes the issue may not be the dream, it's the fear it brings. Sometimes the issue is that you've actually come to believe. Sometimes the issue is that your belief system may have an issue. What am I trying to say? Because Satan will take advantage of a belief system. What am I trying to say? That sometimes the issue is that you've come to believe that you can lose something God gave you because you had a bad dream. That's not the issue. Something I had a dream. <laughs> and in the dream, I don't know where I was. You know, it, it first started off like a very confusing one. All I know is that I was on a very, like I was like on a tall place, like, you know, like a mountainous place. And then there's something that I was trying to get somewhere. I was trying to get home. I know dreams can be so funny. I even got my phone and turned on my GPS. I just clicked home so that, you know, it can give me directions. I was, I was trying to get home. And I was wondering, why am I in this tall, mountainous place? And so I begin finding my way down. And, you know, it's despite how good I am with sporting things like hiking and all that stuff, it was a little challenging. I'm sure it's very obvious that. <laughs> so I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get. And then there's this man. He looked. I won't tell you how he looked. And then he ran past me. Like he ran past me. And I woke up. And I decided, popcorn. You know what I mean? Eh? Like that's just a popcorn dream. Let's move on with our day. And then during prayer, it's like you see the dream again. Eh? And then you realize what's happening. And it just kept hitting. Luke 15. Luke 15. Luke 15. Let's go there. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. Now, I'm sure you know how he divided them, obviously, right? Because that was not firstborn. So he probably divided them into three portions, right? And then he gave the double portion to the firstborn, because the double portion belongs to the firstborn. And then the other one belonged to the other one. That, that was in this culture. I'm saying that because he ended up complaining later on, and yet he didn't know he had more. But that's not the issue. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In short, the worst things you can think about, the guy ticked all boxes. Let's go on. 
But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Before we go on, the first key point we get concerning the heart of the Father is that he doesn't interfere with your free will. He doesn't interfere with your free will. There is a gift that God has given every person. There is a portion everyone has. And the biggest portion every human being has is this gift called free will. That one, he doesn't interfere. He can do what he can to alter it. He can do what he can to put circumstances not to favor it, especially if it's negative. But at the end of the day, we have willing decisions to make. And that's why no one is going to go to heaven because our parents were good Christians. No one will go to heaven because their wife prays. The wife praying and the parents being good Christians can have a very strong influence on your getting to heaven. But you have to make the choice yourself. There comes a point where you have to choose the Lord Jesus. And that's why even for, especially for those right now who've now reached that age, the 13, 14, 15 and the like. You may have had a good time in Sunday school, sung a lot of good songs and know that. But you have to come to a place where you decide for yourself that this is what I want. There's only so much someone from the external side can do. There comes a place where you have to make a decision. But my point here is the father does not interfere with free will. He doesn't force. He can't force you to love him. He can't force you to love the Lord. He can't force you to love others. He can provide for that. He can facilitate that. But at the end of the day, you have to do it. Praise God. Imagine somebody is refusing to swallow. There's only so much you can do. Even children from a young age express their free will. Their times have just refused. They don't want that purity flavor. You can even tell this child doesn't like this flavor. And you know, sometimes it's fair when I've spoken to mothers, I found it so funny. As in, they even tell you, this one is stubborn. I'm like, how can you tell someone is stubborn after two weeks? <laughs> is that true? You can tell? You can even tell up and now the child has lost their temper. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and this one is like three weeks already exerting free will. You find, I, I don't know how long it takes I, after they've stayed eating for the parents to be able to tell the flavors the child likes. This one likes shima. This one doesn't like it. This one likes this one, this one likes guava. Already free will is being exerted from that stage. Praise God. You see free will being manifested even in education and the like. Like, sometimes you can all sit and listen to the same lecture. One can decide to take notes, the other one can decide not to. There's only so much people can do. Praise God. So that's the first thing I want us to know. The heart of the Father is that he respects free will. And by the way, because he respects free will, because he's given it to you as a gift, that's one of the more reasons why the Lord appreciates Givers, you can see that in the scriptures where it says, uh, the Lord dearly prizes a cheerful giver. Why? Because if there is an expression of free will, it's giving. <laughs> that's now free will. And that's also why you 
Notice he prizes worshipers. He prizes worshipers. He actually searches for them. People whom he won't have to force because if he wanted, he can raise stones. He prizes those who willingly lift their hands and worship the Lord. He prizes that. Those are things God treasures. That's another reason why he prizes intercessors. I learned something as I was listening to, I've I've been following the Sunday afternoon uh, conferences, ministry conferences uh, by Pastor, Pastor Dr. Cholwe. And there's something he said that really, really blessed me. He said, I made up my mind from a young age to look for what the, to check in the scriptures and see what the Bible says God is looking for. And I decided to be what he's looking for. And what, what is he looking for? You see in the scriptures, he's looking for people to stand in the gap. Be that one God is looking for. You see in the scriptures, he's looking for worshipers. You see in the scriptures, he's looking for people to preach the word. He says, who can I send? He's looking for laborers. He says, the harvest is plenty, the laborers are few. He's looking for people who just won't be bench warmers. They won't, just can't do with just warming the bench. There's something they have to be doing for the agenda of the kingdom. He's looking for that. So the heart of the Father, number one, is that he gives us free will. That's one of the gifts he has given us, free will. Let's continue. But when he had spent all, I think let's go back, verse 14. Or were we on verse 11? Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Uh Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Those who don't know swine are pigs. Uh And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods and that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He started admiring the food that belonged to the pigs. Said admiring it. But he was still not given anything. But when he came to himself, I pray in Jesus' name for that person who needs to come to themselves today. Where you realize, look, I've got a father. I've got a heavenly father. Especially if you're not saved. I pray today is the day you come to yourself. Maybe you are brought up in the faith and you've walked away. I pray today is the day you come to yourself. And you know something? I've also learned that there are some of these scriptures that we should stop applying only to people who are not saved. Even as a believer. Even as a believer, if you're not careful, you'll find that there are times when you go prodigal. By that I mean suddenly you start walking in the flesh. Suddenly you follow your own way and not his way. You don't align or you don't, you, you, let me not say you don't, you detach from his ways because when we get saved, we become one. It's very possible that you can focus on selfish ambition. It's very possible that you can become carnal <laughs> as a believer. If that's been the case, I praise God that today you're coming to yourself. It's very possible you can become prayerless. It's very possible you can reduce in faith. You know, faith can reduce. Faith is measurable. It can reduce in quantity. It's very possible 
Um, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. One of the things I've had to guard myself with, one of the things I've had to guard myself with is what to do when you're exposed to a lot of knowledge. A lot of the theories I read, maybe due to academics, are proposed by atheists. And, every, and, and you know what school can do to you? Because school has got, two, has got two sides to it. There's a side where it, it propels you to think a certain way. And then there's a side where it propels you to want to make sense out of everything. I'll never forget when, we, when I was in Kenya, I generally had, we had two main meetings. At one meeting where we had a lot of university students, it took four days for the first miracle to happen. Then the next meeting was in a village. It took one session for the first miracle to happen. And by the next day, less than 24 hours later, we had 14 people practically walk out of wheelchairs and crutches and the like. 14 in one meeting. And do you know one of the reasons? They were not trying to make sense out of it. They were not trying to make sense out of it. And yet, on the other hand, if you have an opportunity, let's say, to improve your logical mind, are you aware that you can even become one of the biggest? (laughs) I'm telling you, if you can, because God doesn't want you to remove your mind. He wants you to renew it. Imagine what can happen if you renew a mind and train it to think spiritually. Train it to understand that the ways of the world, the wisdom of the world, as much as it can help, God can still render it foolish. The moment you train it like that, you'll be a force, both on earth and in heaven. Praise God. So he came to himself. Let's continue. You'll understand the dream soon. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That prayer is very humble. Sounds very remorseful. But another quality we see concerning the heart of the father is that no matter how much a person has messed up, he doesn't accept for the standard to be lowered. God is not going to offer you a less quality walk of faith because of how bad your walk in the world was. You will see that as we go on. Because look at what he said. He decided, you know, I'm going to him, and I'm just going to be one of the servants. I'll just be a, I'll just be a cowboy in the house of the Lord and if possible, I can just stand by the gate and the like. But that's, that wasn't the heart of the father. That was, that was now the son thinking to himself. He never understood the extravagant love of the father. Let's continue. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off. Now, like I said, in my dream, I was trying to get down in a mountainous place. And then suddenly, there was a man who like ran after, like he ran past me. And when I was praying about it, 
I was taken to this verse. Using the logical mind, I think that the father's house was probably on a high place because he was able to see the child from a great way off. And the easiest way to be able to see someone from a great way off is that you probably have to be at a high place, right? And when he was still a great way off, here's what happened. His father saw him and had compassion and ran. He didn't walk there. He didn't stand at the gate waiting. No, no, notice that. He didn't stand at the gate waiting. He didn't sit and say, it was not like the way we do it sometimes. Like, okay. Even though you know you want to forgive the person, you just make it hard for them. And like, <laughs> hey, you're sorry. <laughs> what are you sorry for? <laughs> no, I'm sorry for number one, number two, number three, number four. Explain number two well. I didn't understand. <laughs> Why is certain gender laughing more than the other gender? <laughs> Some people are looking so guilty right now. <laughs> okay. So do you forgive me? Let me think about it. Deep inside you're saying, yes, he's apologized, yes. <laughs> then you never even say, I forgive you. The next day you just say, how are you? <laughs> Praise God. Thank God he's not like that. Can you imagine how the salvation prayer would be if when people had to come to the front and say, Lord Jesus, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you are the son of God, really. <laughs> You do go? Okay. <laughs> That's nice to know. <laughs> but think about it. Well, the son, the son had not even apologized yet. He had not even said any words. And that shows you something. The father was waiting. The father probably already had a watch. Who knows? Maybe he had a telescope. <laughs> because you see, we do know that God is love, Right? And you know something about love? If you've read 1 Corinthians 13, love is always believing the best. No, it doesn't delight in evil. But it still always believes the best. It always hopes. It always believes the best. So the father was there waiting. Even when the son left, I'm sure the father was thinking, he'll come back. He'll be back. He'll be back. Always hoping, always waiting. Maybe even put it on his timetable. <laughs> to always be by the window side, watching and waiting. You know, when we don't understand the heart of the Father, sometimes we'll make it difficult for ourselves, even when we shouldn't. And we can also make it difficult for others who are trying to correct their walk. That's one of the things sometimes we may, we may end up doing. And don't forget that understanding of the love of the Father Okay, I'll show you later on. I'll show you what it does to the church. I'll show you how it's the biggest evangelism strategy in the church. Praise God. So notice, the father from a great way off saw him and had compassion. The word compassion is different from the word pity. Because compassion involves an element of action. Listen to me. I want you to imagine somebody is down on the ground and perhaps uh, they're not breathing well. And then there's one person who knows how to do, is that what, CPR? And then another person just feels bad for the person. The one who 
goes and does the CPR, that's the one who we can now describe as compassionate. The other one, I'm not saying they're a bad person, they just maybe didn't have the ability or the boldness and the like. So we can just say they had empathy. But the one with compassion does something about it. Compassion has got an action to it. It's got an action to it. That's why the word compassion in the scriptures is used a lot on mothers. It's used a lot on mothers. Imagine they see that little one on day one and just have compassion over them. Guy offers them a daily sacrifice in the diapers and they celebrate. I remember receiving a message. I think it was from my mother. One of my little cousins was born and after, I, I didn't understand why then, but then I, I got a text from mom. Hey, he has just done his first. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> That's something I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> praise God. It's there. It's, it's, so the father saw him and had compassion and ran in his running. He even fell on his neck. He overwhelmed him. I don't know if you're getting my point. He, he, I can imagine how it was. Like he sees him there and the guy is like, uh, uh, overwhelmed him, fell on his neck and kissed him. That's how the heart of the father is. He's always waiting. And you know something? As long as you're willing, as long as you're willing to take one step, he's willing to take a million. He's willing to take a million. The guy is walking to his father. The father ran to him. Praise God. And for some, he's running to you through this sermon. Praise the Lord. The father is always seeking to restore. That's something I want you to know. Let's read the next verse. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father ignored the prayer. But the father said to the servants, <laughs> bring out the best robe. Ignored, ignored the guy. You know, he ignored him. I can only imagine how many, how we're wasting our time with second prayer. Oh, can I explain what I mean? Let me explain what I mean. If somebody has genuinely repented and they've asked the Lord to forgive them over something that they've done, they make it a weekly routine such that two years later they are still praying over that same thing that happened two years ago. They're really wasting a lot of time. They've not understood the heart of the Father. Because the Father and Jesus had a deal. And the deal was, okay, fine. You die for them. You become sin for them. Then I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. And, you know, when, when teaching such topics, you know, some, some people have cautioned us when teaching them. No, if you teach them a certain way, people will just start sinning. Then they've not understood the heart of the fire. <laughs> they've not understood it. No. It's not a license to go back and go eat with the pigs. It's actually an invitation to come and live a better life. 
And so he says, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And you know how we've been clothed with righteousness. Put a ring on his hand. And you know how we've been given the seal of the Holy Spirit. And sandals on his feet. And you know how we've been prepared with the gospel of peace, right? Let's go on. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's continue. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. In case you didn't think there was dancing in heaven. (laughs) So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Uh Uh-huh. And so he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Let's go on. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out. Imagine that. The father still came out for the older one, who was too angry to enter. No matter how pompous he was being, the father still came out for him. And pleaded with him. Uh Uh-huh. So he answered and said to his father, you see that the heart of the father is not just towards those who have lost or who have left the faith. The heart of the father is still strong and extravagant towards even those who are within. Because this guy didn't do what the other guy did. But even when he had a moment, the father still came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Law, these many years I have been serving you. The father's name was not Law. It's just the way they used to speak those days. <laughs> I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Aren't you admiring a goat? You should have said so. Let's go. (laughs) But as soon as this son of yours came, (laughs) who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted cow for him. Let's go on. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. The father has enough for everyone. So we may be in a meeting like this and the father singles out two people publicly. That doesn't mean in this meeting there wasn't anything for everybody else. He says, all that I have is yours. In short, he was telling him, you do know you can have a feast anytime you want. Notice, the Bible says he divided his portions among them earlier. And yet, the, and yet the person was in the house but still wanted to treat himself like a servant. He could have a feast anytime he wanted. You do know that you can have your health. Now you do know that that's why when you hear the testimony of another, it should not bother you. It should actually bless you. When you hear somebody coming and saying, I just got saved last week and my body has been healed, it should not bother you because all that he has is yours. You do know you can have your health back today. You do know that you can have your peace of mind today. You do know that you can have those things you've been believing for for today because everything that he has is yours and he has all things. The heart of the Father. And you know, when we look at the communion, there's a part that sometimes maybe we don't pay attention to. Second Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 14. We usually say it when we say the grace, right? Is it 13, 14, 14, 13? 
13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I would like us to see it from the message translation. And then I want us to read it together. One, two, three, read. The extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Spirit be with all of you. And when Jesus summarizes the gospel, notice how he summarizes it. He says, for God so loved. When he's trying to teach them on various things, he talks the lost coin, the lost sheep. He talks about someone who came and bought land just for the sake of the treasure. When he talks about the kingdom of God, he talks about somebody who admired a precious pearl and went and sold everything he had just so that he can sit and enjoy that pearl. Let's look at two more scriptures quickly. Romans 5 verse 8. The Bible says, Romans 5 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. Maybe we need to understand this context better. Let's start from verse 5 or 6, where it says, For seldom for a righteous man will one die. Somewhere 5 6. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. You know what the verse is saying there? It's saying, look, no matter how righteous you are, it's rare for somebody to die for a righteous person. But maybe if they're a good person, maybe someone will be willing. I'll give you an example. Um, If someone today was to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for these rights of yours, and everyone will support them, and everyone will like and all those things. But you find if an army came and said, okay, for doing this, we're going to deal with you. Maybe very few people will support them physically. I think very few people might go there and say, you know what? If he's dying, we are dying too. (laughs) And people will think of KFC, (laughs) Coca-Cola, ice cream, (laughs) and all those things, and say, ah, he was a good man. (laughs) Praise God. But then look at what the Bible says. It says, but, in verse 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, while we were still unlovable, while we were still in a place where we think, there's not much about me. You may be in a place right now where you think, who would want somebody like me? They don't know where I've been. They don't know how I've been. They don't know A, B, C, D. They don't know the thoughts that I have sometimes. I'm not yet at a place where I can maybe manage A, B, C, D. And yet the Bible tells us where we are still at our worst. Christ died for us. And then it didn't end like that. There's something he made out of us which still demonstrates his love. And you can see that when you look at the book of 1 John. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. 
what manner of love. And when I was praying to God concerning today's meeting, here's what he told me. Number one, the grace is sufficient for everyone to be awakened to the love of God. It's one thing to have had knowledge of it. It's another thing to have the Holy Spirit communicated to you. In Romans 5 verse 5, we are told that hope does not disappoint, for God has shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So it's another thing for the Holy Spirit to communicate it to your heart. And don't forget, look at uh, 1 Corinthians, and, and this is why a relationship with the Spirit of God is very important. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse, verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And in Ephesians 3.16, Paul makes a prayer for the church. I want you to see it. He prays for them. By the way, I heard a very funny story last week. Somebody sent me a very funny message. Uh, one of our members who's not in Mosaka was watching the service live. And she happened to be at the saloon. So she um, forgot her headsets at home. So she said, I, I know she's very funny even the way she writes. Probably laughing right now hearing this. She was like, you know, I forgot my headset at, at home. So I decided just to watch the service loud. And I just told myself, ah, Zambian at all hear the sermon. And apparently everyone in the saloon kept quiet and said, listening. She says everyone was amazed by the testimonies. They're like, we need to go pray there. Why? The testimonies. And then when they heard the word, they were like, ah, your pastor quotes a lot of scriptures. And I was thinking, do you know how I reduced them? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 3, verse 15. I want you to see this. This is something, it's, it's something only the Spirit of God can communicate to you. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. From verse 14. Let's start from verse 14. Let's, let's go. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, uh -huh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Uh -huh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in love, uh -huh, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Uh -huh, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Go back to verse 18 and amplify it. That you may have the power to be strong and to apprehend and grasp with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Uh -huh. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled with your whole being unto the fullness of God. 
it's one thing to have an idea of it. It's one thing to know about it. It's one thing to hear about it. But there's a place where you have your own experience. Your own experience. And the grace is very sufficient for that. Praise God. And apart from that, another thing that will happen is that the love of God is going to overwhelm you. And you'll be commissioned to witness this love to people. The Bible, and, and, and you know what? The Bible tells us that you know, when you're overwhelmed in this love, when you're baptized in this love, you can get to fulfill what Jesus said when he said you'll be People will know you by the love you have for one another. Now, when you have a revelation of this love, it comes with a particular level of conviction. And I want you to see Romans 8 verse 38. Look at this conviction that it comes with. Praise God. Let's start from 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved an assured conviction of victory. You have an assured conviction that in anything, you're still more than a conqueror. Why? Verse 38. For I'm fully persuaded, I'm convicted, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come, no height, no depth, no any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The day you understand this, you understand why at this place there are certain things you lose respect for. Mind the times go by, suddenly the respect for your grandfather's works start reducing and your respect for the finished works of Jesus start increasing. It's a place of full conviction. Praise God. That's a prophetic message God has for you. And you know, there are some whom God has been knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and you know he's been knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. He's been running down from the far place. And when he reaches, you say, not yet. And there are others who are within the house, but somehow they've gotten offended. Somehow they've gotten angry. And they're avoiding all the festivities of the house of God. The Father is still calling out for you. And for those who've just been fine, there are even greater levels. There are even higher glories. There is even a greater place of revelation we can get to. There is even a greater place of comprehension that we can get to. Praise God. If we may close our eyes for a moment, why do we tell people to close their eyes? Sometimes for focus. 
This world is too busy. We're too focused on so many things. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've delivered the ultimate prophetic word you told me to. I thank you because the Spirit has been present and is present. And Father, this is what I pray over your people. That sensing of God, that knowing of God, that at this moment, suddenly their convictions are being strengthened. Their confidence is being strengthened. The Spirit of God is working in their inner man. The Spirit of God is working in their inner man. The Spirit of God is working in their inner man. Just allow Him. A lot of what the Lord will be communicating. You will notice that the Lord will be communicating to you beyond your needs. Because for most of He has them sorted. A greater sense of purpose. A greater sense. Father, witness to your people. Speak to your people. These are your people. These are your people. These are your people. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.